Welcome to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. I am back again with Yusi. What's up? Hey, Toby. All good here, except the stream deck that I'm using. That's That's the small gadget on my table with a couple of buttons it stopped working just when we got started so i think i can i can do the recording without one but on real news in my household i got a new mouse pad and it's not really like a mouse pad it's it's more like a like a pad for the keyboard and the mouse and it's made from felt and the whole thing here i read on the internet that that mouse pads are pads made from felt that they're super comfortable. And also the same company sells these, these coasters that you can use between the table and your cup of coffee. So what I did is I went online, I found the company, I ordered one pad and a couple of coasters. I submit the order. And four weeks later, I finally have it. Also, I realized the company is based in Canada. So when they're shipping the stuff to me here in Finland, means I have to pay import tax. Nice. So the import tax is more than what I paid for the pad and the coaster. <laughs> <laughs> but at least I have the new felt-made coasters and pad. A friend of mine saw this and he said, are we back in the 1970s now? And I'm not sure. But if you listen closely, I'm putting my glass down on the felt coaster. And you cannot hear anything. So this was the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So I, you know, on that note, I also have a mouse pad that, that I have under the laptop, under the keyboard and under the mouse. It's like an extra large, I think it's perhaps a meter or 120 centimeters wide. So it's a very big one, and I can fit all the things on top of it. And same thing there. I put glass down or something, and it doesn't make a clinky clinky sound. Exactly. Uh, but, but also, it is, it's good for the arms to rest instead of resting on the on the wooden table. But is your made from felt or not? I think no, that's... it's not. But but I also did not pay, you know, more than it costs in import tax. So I'm I'm still happy. Yeah, you have that. <laughs> so so that's that's the most exciting news from my household in the past week. How about for you? So for me, I mean, I'm not sure if it's exciting news really, but I do get excitement out of it. And I have been off coffee for several months. Uh, I know I talked about that maybe 10 or 20 episodes ago that I was stopping with my coffee drinking because I started to buy new appliances and new coffee machines. And I wanted to, to learn the craft of a barista, which I did. And I could make these nice hearts in the milk and everything. But, you know, I ended up drinking too much coffee and because it was so delicious, but also fun to make, I ended up making maybe 15 cups of coffee one day and, and wow. seven the other day. And, you know, that's obviously not very healthy. So I just made a full stop. But now um, we, we sold the house last year and we live in a intermediate apartment before we move into a new house. And in the bottom part of this building, they just opened one of these big brands uh, coffee shops and I am doomed because I went in there this week or last week and had a single cup of coffee. I thought, well, I'd still like the taste of it. 
I love the taste of it. I really like coffee. And I just had, let, let's just have one cappuccino. That's what I thought. And it's been about a week since they opened. And I think I've had 10 cappuccinos or so. So I am now contemplating getting a new coffee machine again because I got rid of the other one. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. Um, so today's episode, it's an Azure update episode. And the last one we did, there's been updates since then, perhaps not as many updates, though, than we sort of came to expect with Ignite and the previous Ignite. It felt that every week you would have so many updates to work on. But even then, I'm, I'm happy that we found plenty of these. Uh, what I can do is actually, I can start with one and then we go back and forth. And, and in the end, we can wrestle on what was the best update we found. Right. So for me, so for me, the first one is, uh, this is in public preview uh, since today, uh, announcing platform support for migration of Azure cloud services to Azure Resource Manager. So cloud services meaning the super classic Azure services we had initially in Azure. So now there's a migration path from those cloud services to the more modern ARM-based Azure services. It's interesting and, that that didn't exist before. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think there were a lot of guidance on this, like, yeah, you should do this and you should do that. And, and often, obviously, these cloud services would perhaps be a bunch of code you would maybe replace with an Azure function or logic apps or custom API app or, or some such. But now there's platform support. I think the key here is the platform support. So are you using anything in cloud services in the classic anymore? Not anymore. We moved away from that a long time ago. And we're, we're talking five years or something. We're, we're talking many years ago. But we're talking about things like uh, web roles, right? These kind of things that you took eight minutes to deploy a new web role, and then you had some code running uh, inside of this role, and you could, you know, I think that was uh, was also called the the classic cloud services. But we haven't done any of those things since quite some years. It's it's the same for me. It's been years. Uh, I did work on Azure Remote App, so that was uh, that was the predecessor to perhaps Windows Virtual Desktop, as it's known today. And with Remote App, that was part of the classic cloud services initially. And then that was sort of deprecated and removed from Azure. But before that, it was web role, worker roles, the old management portal, all of that. And, and I'm glad we left that behind. But I had a quick look at the tooling and the guidance here. And one of the promises here is that um, it will also allow you to migrate virtual machines, the classic ones. And apparently there was already a tool for this. So this takes into consider on that one. And they also promise no downtime during the migration. So this is now available and we'll, of, of, of course, put the links in the show notes on this one. It's in public preview. And if anybody listening on this is planning on using this, uh, I think we'd love to hear how you feel about this, this tooling and this approach. Yeah, interesting. Um, so on my side, it's a bit more modern. Uh, the update that I noticed is in GA, 
uh, general availability right now. It's Azure Blob Storage that support objects up to 200 terabyte in size. And why do I think this is important to understand or know about? Because uh, sometimes you use Azure for backups, big media files, uh, you know, whatever, when you have big files. In the past, you might have needed to break those down into separate blobs because you couldn't have that big blob files. Now, you don't have to do that, so you don't have to break them down. Um, so this is supported in all regions using tiers, including the premium, hot, cool, and archive. You cannot use the Azure portal for huge objects. So if you want to upload a several terabyte file, you don't do that from the Azure portal. Then you use any of the Azure methods for data transfer. And there's you know, a whole section in the documentation section for migrating big data, including shipping a hard drive over to you know, an Azure data center where they actually plug that in um, to any of the APIs. So using the APIs, you can also do this. So if you do have big files and you want to send them off, uh, one off to an Azure blob, then my recommendation was to uh, take a look at the APIs. If it supports it, if you can build it yourself, like with .NET or PowerShell, whatever you use. Um, and if not, if you can send a data disk over, um, something like that. But it's good to understand that you can now have really big files and you don't have to split them and split the blobs. So that's kind of cool. Just before we got started recording this one, I spend a little bit of time in, in one of my subscriptions where I do my backups. So I back up mostly everything that I feel is critical or something that I, I, I'd like to uh, salvage in case something breaks at home. And I push everything to Azure storage. And I was, I was looking at the cost on those because it, it looked a bit weird to me. And I have to admit that I've never really, really needed these larger objects, but realizing that a lot of companies might store their data or analytics or raw data in, in, in blob storage, perhaps this has been an ask from some companies that, gee, it would be nice to store 200 terabyte content in Azure. And now we finally have it. So next on my list is an update on log analytics for Windows. And this is named as the update for winter 2021. I, I, I like this, this versioning approach here. And I did have a look on, on what's in there. And it basically says that there's a new troubleshooting tool for why log analytics is not working. And this will also automatically update if you're using log analytics through the Azure extension in one of your VMs, but obviously you can use log analytics outside Azure as well. So in that case, you, you need to run the update yourself or utilize Azure Arc to push the update first for your VMs. So this update is only for Windows boxes. If you have Linux, that has a different versioning and it doesn't have the same update available yet. So this is generally available. It's an update, and obviously you want to run the latest on the log analytics for any of your Windows VMs. Very nice. I, I use log analytics for a lot of things. Um, this makes perfect sense now to be able to plug that in. Very nice. Um, so the next thing on, on my radar that I saw that might be a bit out of the ordinary or, or something that raises my eyebrows is in preview, uh, the Azure Stig solution templates and that helps you accelerate compliance for 
Department of Defense. So STIG is the Security Technical Implementation Guide, um, and, and it's a template to help achieve the DISA or Defense Information System Agency, uh, STIG compliance. So STIG is the Department of Defense's cybersecurity methodology um, you know, for standardized security configurations for computer operating systems and software and hardware and whatever. And so if you do work with compliance, if you do work with these things, if you know what STIG is, then this is now available for both Windows and Linux currently in the Azure commercial and Azure government clouds. And the Azure government secret cloud is coming soon as well. And you can now apply this to VMs. So you can say this VM need to follow the, uh, the guidelines and recommendations of the STIG. And you can do that. And then you can, of course, create a, a base baseline VM if you want and deploy that to a shared image gallery. Um, and then you can have your reusability internally. So whenever you spin up a new VM, it will be using the correct template, which all already then uh, is defined and designed according to the STIG. So that's a pretty cool thing, um, especially if you work with compliance and security, this might be something to take a look at because these security standards are pretty high. I like the Azure government secrets. Uh, in my mind, I'm imagining this, this unmarked government. <laughs> exactly, and this unmarked government facility in the middle of a large metropolitan area, and there's a small sign on, on, on the door saying government secret. And everybody knows that's Azure, it lives over there. Next on my list, an update on app service authentication portal experience is now generally available. So for anybody listening, if you've been working with web apps recently or app service in general, you've seen that you have the authentication item on the navigation blade, but then you have the, the updated one as well. So the updated one will eventually replace the classic one. And it makes it more easy to now configure which identity providers you're planning on using for your app service. And I did look this up as well. And if you've built a custom application that utilizes the Microsoft identity platform, meaning that you'd, you'd ideally like to use Azure AD accounts as well as consumer accounts, so meaning Microsoft accounts, for example, then all of these will be more easy to configure within app service through the updated authentication experience. And I've been using them both. I think we all used years and years on the old one. You sort of get used to that one. But now the new one is, is more fresh, more easy to understand, perhaps. So nothing is expected from you. Simply start using the new interface and you're good to go. Yeah, I like that. I tried to use it with one of my existing web apps because we, we rolled out a bunch of different apps in, in our SaaS offering in, in our production. But because we're already using the other, the, the classic configuration, if you will, then we couldn't really make use of that one. So I'm excited to try it on a, on a new web app to see if it's something we can start rolling with. So I've had that on my, on my radar as well. So that's a good tip. And the next thing on my side is Azure Security Center updates. And I usually roll out a couple of updates that I find interesting uh, from Security Center. Because if you do work with Azure, you should be using Security Center. You should keep the pulse on the overall health across all your subscriptions. And this is a good place to do that. 
Um, so there's a new uh, GA feature or a feature in general availability that you can start making use of. And that is uh, recently pulled container register images are now rescanned weekly. Right, so it's not just the initial scanning when you uh, push it to the repository to the ACR, uh, but you also get a weekly rescan even if there's been no update to the actual image, and this is important because new vulnerabilities are discovered all the time, and we might discover a vulnerability tomorrow that impacts something you already built. Right, so then the rescanning of these images is super important and and very helpful as well because now you will get like a um, pulse, you get the finger on the pulse for your the health of your container images at all times. Um, and I know that there are a lot of things that the Azure Security Center finds with these images because it keeps finding stuff in, in my code and, and our solutions as well. Most of the time, it's something third-party we're using, like a version of Chrome that's outdated because every version of Chrome gets vulnerabilities. You know, And we use the, the um, Chrome browser, the Chromium, to uh, automate some tasks inside of a container. And obviously the code of that gets embedded, the, the binaries and the code is embedded into a container image. When the image is X amount of days old, it will be uh, scanned. And Azure Security Center usually within a month say, we found new vulnerabilities because version 83 or whatever you were using of Chrome contains these now discovered known vulnerabilities. So even if we didn't change the code, or change anything in the image, we now get notifications saying, hey, there's something going on here. You should probably take action and update and then delete the old images. So that's very good. And we do that. So whenever we find something or whenever we get um, you know, a notification about um, potential security weaknesses, or in this case, the CVEs uh, coming from the vulnerability databases, we make an immediate upgrade and then purge all the old images. And this is just an additional kind of measure in, in that direction where you get these weekly rescans. So that's kind of cool. The other thing from Security Center is a preview feature that I like. Um, there are some new recommendations related to guest configuration. So Azure Policy can audit settings inside of a, a machine, both for machines running in Azure and also the ARC connected machines. And we talked briefly about ARC in a different episode. Um, so the new recommendations in Security Center checks that the guest configuration extension is installed. It should be deployed with a system assigned managed identity. So you have configured it correctly there. Uh, Windows Defender exploit guard should be enabled on the machines and authentication to Linux machine uh, need to be done using SSH keys, right? So there's, it's just a bunch of new recommendations, uh, but it's important to know that these exist. So next time, if you're using VMs and you want to see if, if you're using guest configuration, you want to see if you're doing things the right way. Security Center now proves um, or gives you the, the tools to at least check the baseline and see uh, if your environment is on par with the requirements. And then, of course, as with everything, Azure policy can be extended with your own custom policies. So if you want to build some, something on top of that, you can. Uh, but it might be good to know that this now come bundled into Security Center. Uh, it's a preview feature. You can start uh, taking a look at it, and yeah, I really like it. You know, the continuous involvement of everything in Security Center. It's uh, yeah, it's proving the point that Microsoft is really caring about cloud first and and really care about security in in and across all environments. So I, I really like it. I'm happily impressed with the cadence of releases that I see in uh, Security Center. 
I, I feel every time I open security center, there's like five new buttons waiting for me to check out. Oh, what's this doing here? <laughs> yeah. So so it's it's sort of a central service, but still the pace of updates there, it's it's very impressive. Next one, uh, some drastic changes coming to Azure pipelines, the free grants. So this is interesting. Azure Pipelines that offers you the CI CD capabilities, such as deploying your code to to whatever destination. There's been a lot of abuse in there, and I sort of knew this before, but now the team has has written out an update explaining that the free grants, meaning run Azure Pipelines for free up to a certain amount of minutes per day, that's no more. And the the abuse that that they they they're blaming is crypto mining. And now they've effectively changed this now. And if you want those free minutes for your Azure pipelines, what you have to do is you have to email the team. They they have an email alias in there. You have to state your name, your Azure DevOps organization, what public and or private projects you're working on and links to those repos to the public projects and a description on what you're planning on building. No. So this is a drastic change in, the, in, in, in that sense that anybody looking for those few free minutes, they really have to spend five or 10 minutes writing out an email with their own name. But anybody just wanting to abuse and do crypto mining, they don't care about this. They just go, okay, let's find a different place that we can abuse. Oh no! Now I have to overlook my crypto farms. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, I understand the the reasoning here, and this has been a, a problem also with, uh, you know, the free developer Azure subscriptions. You get I don't know 100 bucks free credits, and people spin up a VM and they do crypto mining for a couple of hours, and they they make 20 bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand the reasoning. It's it's difficult to kind of mitigate. Um, Next on and final item on my list for for this episode is a preview feature with Azure Event Grid uh, that enables you to provide uh, delivery headers. Now, you can define custom HTTP headers on outgoing requests used to send events with Azure Event Grid. And these are called delivery properties if you use the Azure portal. So if you go there and you use the preview mode, you can see uh, something called delivery properties. And this can be beneficial if the destination of the message requires a certain header to exist. For example, if you use Azure Event Grid to send to a hook or send to a system that requires an authorization header, you know, that needs to go as a header on the HTTP request, or if it requires an API key, or if it requires something else, um, maybe a content type, I don't know, whatever it is uh, that the requirement is, you can now do that. There's two types of headers you can define in the delivery properties. One is the static header. That's a fixed value. And you can define, for example, the uh, this in the Azure portal. And the other is a dynamic header. And this is something uh, where you set the header based on the value of a property in the incoming event. So when you want to send your event, you get the incoming message. And on that message, you can grab a property and then build a custom header based on a value from that message. So these are the two types, static and dynamic headers. So uh, a fairly small improvement to Azure Event Grid, but I already see the use cases because I was missing this in the past. 
uh, I had some road blockers with uh, Azure Event Grid because I was uh, using and tailoring this to a system that uh, had a requirement for, for these headers. Now it's a lot easier to, to get that to work. So I really like it. Um, and I know they also rolled out another change for Event Grid that I can just quickly mention. You can now configure, easily configure the TTL or time to live uh, for messages delivered to the Azure storage queues, which is something I utilize a lot. So you can now say this message should only live for one day. If nothing happens in that time, kill it. Um, so you can kind of define those things as well. Uh, so that was the final thing on the Azure update side from my end. Do you have anything else on your side? I have one more. Uh, general availability for Azure communication services. So this was in preview for quite some time. And with ACS, Azure Communication Services, you can build your own custom collaboration communication solutions utilizing the same sort of capabilities you have with Microsoft Teams. And if you remember a tool called Kaisala from Microsoft, um, I did have a look at this in the preview and it was super easy to code your custom communication software or build communication capabilities within any sort of application you have, because through the APIs, you would get easily encryption, group messaging, MMS, SMS messages, uh, video chat, all of these were sort of built into the service. And you would simply utilize those ready-made services. So this is now generally available. And one of the limitations in the preview that I now recall was that if you wanted to use the SMS capability, you could only use that in the US and you could only have a US originated phone number for that. So now it's generally available. I need to spin it up my old lab and I need to check if you can now allocate a local number or at least a European number that would not look as suspicious if you use that for sending, let's say notifications to your users. So happy to see this is now available. And definitely something that, that we need to spend some time on in the future as well. Yeah, that makes sense. So with that, we have a final piece left, which is the surprising or unexpected question. And I think it's my turn to ask you a question. Uh, and even if it's not, I'm going to do it anyway. Sounds um, good. So here's a question I was thinking about. Um, I don't have the perfect answer, but I'm hoping you have. What holiday does not exist, but you would want to create it. I think it's the, the felt mouse pad appreciation <laughs> holiday. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, let me think. What I've sort of been thinking that it would be optimal to have a holiday, perhaps once a year, one day or a long weekend, for example, for anybody working in tech, IT, to retreat to a cabin with all the books, the blogs, the podcasts, the, the, the recorded sessions from your favorite events, and just dive deep into something that you never seem to have the time for. So in a, in a way, it would be a holiday from your work, of course, but then a holiday from your family, the kids, the, everything that happens in your life and just spend 48 hours on deep diving something you feel is, is, is useful and interesting for you now and in the future. 
All right, interesting. Uh, that's a that's a good answer. Hadn't thought about that. I've done workshops and and like internal workshops and and hackathons and whatever to kind of ramp up on things. This is something similar, but it, as a public holiday, that would of course be uh, even better. My yeah. original question was supposed to be: Would you rather look like a potato or feel like a potato? <laughs> uh, so I think this question was a bit better. <laughs> that's that's possibly an even better question and that's a tough one I'd, I'd probably feel like a potato assuming that if i look like a potato that i would feel different perhaps i'd feel like a potato and just learn to live with that how about for you <laughs> i don't know I, I think i would look like a potato because i i i love feeling great so if i look like a potato but i can feel great you know that's okay yeah uh, it's because, not too bad because i don't have the knowledge about how a potato feels so that would be yeah. a, a, an assumption <laughs> on the wild side if I had to spend the rest of my life feeling like a potato. <laughs> exactly. We are in the essence of, of, of the deep thoughts here. Uh, thank you again for tuning in to this Azure Update episode. As is usual, we'll put all the links in the show notes. And I think we're done for today. Thank you for listening. Until next time. See you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control Alt Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.